0: Welcome to King's River Life's Mystery Rats Maze Podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels, read by local actors. This episode features the mystery short story, St. Nicked, by Herschel Kozine. It's read by local actor Larry Maddox. St. Nicked was published by Untreed Reads in 2011. If you'd like to help support this podcast, listen for details in the closing of this episode on how to become a patron and get some fun perks.
1: George took the job as Santa Claus for the Holman Mall in spite of the pay. Minimum wage with two 30-minute unpaid breaks a day. He fit the part. Short, overweight, in his 60s. A fake beard and square glasses, along with the red suit with the faux fur, made him a perfect Santa. And the work was easy, mostly sitting, posing for the camera, while kids of all ages climbed on his knee and screamed for their mothers. The candy cane he gave them usually quieted them down, but there were always a few in the course of a day who made him wish he had chosen another line of work. George... Didn't take the job for the money, of course, or for the privilege of giving out candy canes to ungrateful, squalling kids. The reason was simple. It was the perfect cover for his line of work. George was a shoplifter. During his breaks, George was free to go into any shop without being questioned or scrutinized by clerks or securities. He was met with friendly smiles, a seasoned greeting, and the wave of the hand. There is something about a Santa Claus suit that elicits trust. Santa Claus is beloved by all, no matter who is in the suit. And the bag he carried made it easy to store items he never would have been able to take otherwise. He had quick hands, a requirement for his profession. With the flick of the hand, an item was transferred from the display case to his coat pocket. The size of the loot had to be within the limits of his pocket. Even with loose-fitting shirts and coats, the booty could not be too large, or the telltale bulge could result in an arrest. He'd learned this the hard way years ago. But now, with the bag, he was able to walk away with larger, more desirable merchandise. So George, the shoplifting Santa, was happy in his work, or at least the part where he wasn't dealing with kids and parents. His only regret was that he hadn't thought of it sooner. Just think of the money he could have saved on Christmas presents over the years. Well, this year, he would be more than generous with his gift-giving. Unmarried... He nevertheless had siblings, nephews, nieces, and an aged father to buy for. He might even throw in a watch or apron for his landlady. The old witch could use some softening up. She was threatening to raise the rent, and George would have to look for another place to live if she did. He was not a wealthy man. Shoplifting didn't pay the rent. The first few days on the job, George limited his break time to casing the joint. That way, the clerks and security personnel would become accustomed to his presence and leave him to his nefarious activity. And as Christmas neared, the stores became more crowded, offering him further protection from unwanted prying eyes. His first foray was at Penny's. In the course of ten minutes, he had appropriated a pair of deer-foam slippers—size ten, his father's size—two packages of socks and a necktie for his younger brother. He ambled out of the store with his sack over his shoulder, waved cheerfully to the clerk behind the men's clothing counter, and wished him a Merry Christmas. He ignored the man in the dark suit, who was dutifully studying the hosiery rack, pretending to be a customer. Gilbert, longtime security man for pennies, stood out like a sore thumb. George had developed an instinct over the years to spot and avoid men like Gilbert. At Macy's, George visited the cookware department, where he found a set of carving knives. He looked up and down the aisle. An older couple was engaged in a spirited conversation, apparently over which frying pan to buy. A few feet in the other direction was a man busily talking on a cell phone. George smiled at the irony of it. Cell phones keep one connected to a faraway voice while isolating him from someone standing a few feet away. With a deft sleight of hand, George became the owner of the knives. By the end of his second week on the job, George had gifts for everyone in the family. He was particularly proud of the gift he had purchased for Grover, his six-year-old grandnephew. A fire truck, complete with siren, flashing lights, and a hose that squirted water. Grover had admired it on an earlier trip to the mall, and had even asked George to get it for him. Of course, he didn't realize he was talking to his uncle. He was sitting on his lap at the mall when the request was made. George had given him a candy cane, patted him on the head, and promised him he would grant his wish if he would be a good boy for the next four weeks. This he knew would be a daunting task for Grover, but the incentive was great enough to give it a try. Grover swallowed hard and "'Nodded. "'But the look in his eyes told George "'that he was hoping that Santa would be too busy to keep tabs on him. "'A chip off the old block,' George noted fondly as he watched him walk away. "'He determined he would get the fire truck. "'It was the least he could do for his favorite relative. "'It was the week before Christmas. "'George had stolen enough wrapping paper to take care of all the gifts.' He'd completed the task of wrapping and tagging, and had carefully stored the gifts under his bed, where they would stay until Christmas Eve. He fixed a glass of eggnog, fortified it with a touch of rum, and kicked off his shoes. The TV was showing A Christmas Carol, one of the many versions of Dickens' classic, starring Albert Finney. In George's mind, it was the best of the lot. He settled back in his recliner, avoiding the broken spring. Someday, he would buy a new chair, since it was impossible even for a man of his talent to shoplift one. Christmas Future had just exited, leaving a transformed Scrooge to dance around in his nightgown when the doorbell rang. George sighed and stood up. Glancing at the TV as he walked to the door, he opened it to see a total stranger standing on the other side. Mr. Grimes? The man said. George studied the man a moment before answering. Medium build, ordinary face, brown, short cropped hair. He wouldn't draw a second look in a crowd. Yet, he looked vaguely familiar. Who are you? George replied. What do you want? My name is Pierce. Pierce. "'Stanley, Pierce, may I come in?' "'Not until you tell me what you want,' George growled. "'Of course,' Pierce said amiably. "'It concerns your job at the mall. Santa.' "'What about it?' "'Please, sir,' Pierce said in a low voice. "'It would be better if we talked inside. "'I don't think you want the neighbors to hear what I have to say.' "'George scowled at the man. Then... "'stepped aside and let him in. "'This better be good,' he said. "'Pierce surveyed the room with a hint of disapproval, but said nothing. "'Gesturing toward a chair, he said, "'May I?' "'Yeah, go ahead. Sit.' "'Pierce sat down gingerly as if the chair contained snakes, "'surveyed the room a second time, his eyes finally settling on George.' This is a matter of utmost importance, he said. George returned the man's gaze, but said nothing. He had learned that silence was a virtue for a man in his profession. How should I start? Pierce asked. Then, before George could speak, he went on. I'm an employee of Holman's Mall. Security. The word startled George, and he sat up straight. When you were hired, I did a background check, Pierce went on. Routine, you know. He took a paper from his pocket, unfolded it, and studied it through his bifocals. In 1979, you were convicted of shoplifting in Santa Fe and served thirty days. He glanced at George with an apologetic smile. George met his gaze in silence. Pierce cleared his throat, and went on. In 1984, you were charged with petty larceny, shoplifting, in Phoenix. The charges were dropped when you made restitution. Another smile, less apologetic. These charges raised a red flag, and I decided to keep an eye on you. George shifted in his chair and scowled at Pierce. That was a long time ago. I made a few mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Agreed. But, given your history, it seemed prudent to monitor your activities. A meaningful glance made George squirm. He could see where this was going, and he didn't want to go there. Pierce folded the paper and put it back in his pocket. Extracting another paper... He repeated the process of unfolding and studying it. On Wednesday, three weeks ago, you visited Penny's. While there, you acquired some merchandise without paying for it. To be specific, one pair of deer slippers, two packages of socks, and a necktie. George started to protest, but Pierce stopped him with a raised hand. At box, pedal, etc., you lifted a watch, sweatshirt, extra-large, and several packets of handkerchiefs. I don't, George sputtered. Please, sir, Pierce said quietly. Let me continue. No, George said. I've heard enough. He studied Pierce with a professional eye. I don't remember seeing you around. I can't believe you were following me. "'Pierce smiled. "'You're good, Mr. Grimes. "'Very good. "'But so am I. "'Avoiding detection is as important to my profession "'as it is to yours.' "'So,' George said with a sigh, "'what now? "'Are you turning me in? "'Why didn't you do something at the time?' "'I had my reasons,' "'Pierce said. "'Are you willing to make a deal?' What kind of deal? Pierce looked around the room furtively. I am a fair-minded man, and a compassionate one. You see, each Christmas I find a family in need and help them. A present or two to each member, a bag of groceries, and a turkey for their Christmas dinner. He cleared his throat and sat up straight. "'This is all done anonymously.' "'How noble,' George thought, but said nothing. "'I'm a man of modest means. "'As you can see, this can be expensive. "'I must depend on donations in order to continue this effort.' "'Donations?' George let the word slip off his tongue with an edge of sarcasm. "'Pierce ignored the inflection.' and nodded. The Marines have toys for tots, a very worthwhile endeavour, but I like to think my way is a little more personal, if not as far-reaching. It does my heart good to see the family I helped enjoy a Christmas that would otherwise be difficult. A sigh, somewhere between contentment and regret, escaped his lips. But alas, I must rely on people such as yourself to continue. You want the loot. You want the loot, George said. A rather indelicate way of phrasing it, but, yes, all donations gratefully accepted. How much of it? Oh, all of it, of course. George stood up angrily. No way. I worked hard for that, and I got people of my own to take care of. I'll give you half. Pierce's laugh was without humor. Mr. Grimes, you don't appreciate the position you are in. A word from me and you are facing serious jail time. This is no longer petty theft. By my accounting, you have taken over $1,000 in merchandise. You'd look bad reporting me at this late date, George said. You're in this as deep as I am. I'm the contrary, Pierce replied. An anonymous phone call to my supervisor. He would ask me to look into it. A surprise visit to your home, and... He held up the list. George snorted. It's too late for that. You can't prove I didn't pay for this stuff. It's in my house, and... I don't need receipts. Hell, who keeps receipts once they get the stuff home? Oh, I anticipated that, Pierce said smugly. He reached into his coat pocket and pulled out a cell phone. These gadgets come in handy, he said. They allow you to talk to anyone no matter where you may be. Like Macy's, for example. I don't understand, George said. They also take pictures. Pierce pressed a button and held the phone out for George to see. Recognize anyone? Pierce said. George flushed as he looked at himself putting a set of carving knives in his bag. He reached for the phone, but Pierce pulled it away. You were the guy talking on the phone, George swore under his breath. I wasn't really talking talking on the phone at all. I was waiting for you to make your move, knowing that you had decided I was just another harried shopper. As I said, Mr. Grimes, avoiding detection is important in my profession. George swore again. How could he have been fooled by such a transparent trick?' He had learned how to deal with security cameras by carefully positioning himself so his movements could not be recorded. But cell phones were something new. He hadn't considered their versatility. He hadn't kept up with the times. George sighed with resignation and sat down. 80-20, he said. Another shake of the head. Let me keep the wallet, George said. Wallet? Pierce studied the list and frowned. That's not on my list. You must have taken that on a Tuesday, my day off. George thought fast. It had been Tuesday, the same day he had stolen the fire truck for Grover. How fortuitous! Trying to hide his relief, he shrugged. Okay, you win he crossed to the bed in the corner of the room and removed the wrapped gifts from under it careful to leave the fire truck back against the wall and out of sight my family will be most grateful for your generosity mr grimes yeah george said now get rid of the picture pierce paused and considered the request then with a shrug, he pushed a button, and the picture was gone. "'Satisfied?' he said. George grunted. Pierce collected the gifts and placed them in a sack he had brought with him, tied it, and flung it over his back. He grunted under the weight. "'Now I know how you feel,' he said, patting the sack. "'Good night.' He paused in the doorway and turned to George. George. "'Merry Christmas!' George shut the door hard, catching Pierce in the rear end. He locked it, took a swig of eggnog, and sat down. "'Parasite!' George, fuming over his misfortune, cursed the man. "'Needy family, my arse!' George growled. He was willing to bet there wasn't a family, that Pierce was keeping the loot for himself.' George glared at the TV where another Christmas classic was now playing. The green, creepy-eyed villain, whose name George couldn't remember, he never was good with names, was busy stealing Christmas from the villagers. Then he smiled in spite of himself. At least Grover wouldn't be disappointed. He was probably home this very minute trying to be good unsuccessfully, George was certain, but the effort was worthy of reward. Well, he would have his fire truck, thanks to George's good fortune. And tomorrow, George would start his Christmas shopping all over again. But not at home and small. Walmart was just down the street, and George knew all the security guards by name. He would steer clear of Shoppers with cell phones, too. Of course, he would have to limit the size of the gifts to fit his pocket, no longer having the benefit of Santa's sack. Ah, well, such is life. He held the glass of eggnog up to the TV in a salute. After all, they had a lot in common. Both stole for Christmas, and they both gave it back. Skull! He said cheerfully. He didn't know what it meant, but he meant it, every word.
0: This reading of St. Nicked was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis-Ham. If you'd like to help us be able to continue to bring you more mystery fun, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash kingsriverlife. Even a dollar a month can make a difference, and we could really use your support. Watch for even more great perks coming soon for our patrons. We also have some cool merchandise available on Redbubble, which would make for great Christmas gifts. Check the show notes for the link and for the links to our websites and social media. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you don't miss a single episode. And subscribe to our podcast newsletter for bonus content. If you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it as this helps make us easier for others to find. And of course, be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, this is your announcer wishing you a life full of mystery.